everybody. I'm Nick Grug with the Denver Post here with Cameron Wolf, also of the Denver Post. You're listening to the First in Orange podcast, all things Broncos and the NFL. Uh, Cameron, let's look back to the Broncos-Carolina game uh, first real fast before we talk about the Colts. But um, what what did you see that worked so well for the Broncos? Um, they, they essentially made a they, – they struggled for a half. Mm-hmm. Struggled might be a little hard, but – um, they, I think struggle's fair. Yeah, uh, but they won the game. Yeah, that that Panthers team is good. They're no slouch. Um, to me, uh, yeah, Gary Kubiak gave the offensive game ball to um, who did he give it to? CJ Anderson. He did. Okay, wait, no. Uh, I yeah. thought he did somebody. I thought he said somebody else. Pro Football Focus said that Matt Paradis was the player of the game. Yeah. To me, it's CJ Anderson. Period. Right. Um, he he was cruising uh-huh. um he to me he was the reason what they won the game um at least offensively clearly yeah, no. the clearly the defense won them another game but right. um what w- w- it, agree disagree and what did he do so well you know i agree i think the thing that impressed me the most and one thing that was the biggest question i had coming into the game is could they control the front um on both sides of the front um, you look at a Carolina team that's really strong, especially on their defensive line, um, and that's something that's talked about a lot. Their front seven may be the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos probably will have an argument on that, but they're they're really strong on that defensive line. They've got guys in there like Quan Short. Uh, you got your Coney Ely. You got you know your star guys that are, are are players in this league, like that are potential Pro Bowl players all throughout that defensive line, and they won you know their fair share of battles, but. It seemed like the Broncos were a lot more competitive and, and definitely gave them, you know, some of their own medicine more often than not. And that led to having that big rushing day. You know, you look at even the Super Bowl, the Broncos didn't really run the ball as effectively as they did there. And I think if that's going to be the identity of this team, and I think that's what we're thinking it's going to be, having this performance against a, a top five, you know, run defense um, last year and probably this year again is a really strong start. And then, of course, defensively, you know, that fourth quarter, and uh, we'll talk about the hits later, but just the way they really brought the pressure on Cam after he really, you know, started to pick them apart a little bit in that first half, that sort of showed that, hey, we're still going to have a championship-level defense again. Um, so, you know, they, the common saying is always you win games in the trenches, but that's how the Broncos won on Thursday. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I We heard a lot about how the, the L.A. Rams' defensive front is going to be so good this year. Uh, they got trounced. Mm-hmm. That game was friggin' ugly. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, but but yeah, but the <laughs> but the but the Panthers D line was great, and um, I think I think it was you and me talking about this a couple of days ago. Um, the play that especially stood out uh, for the Broncos against the Panthers was the the CJ Anderson screen pass touchdown. Um, every single person was blocking well on that play. Yeah. Um, the offensive line, the Broncos offensive line that's been so maligned. Um, basically since the beginning of last year for good reason. Um, they all hit their blocks. Andy Janovich, full, fullback, hit his block on that mm-hmm. play. Demarius Thomas laid an excellent block. Demarius uh, at Thomas the took the rookie for a ride. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. took him on a roller coaster ride. It looked like down across the sidelines. What is, are we making too much of, of that one game and that one play? Or are, are is, the, is their offensive front? That could it really be that improved? Yeah, we're probably making too much of it yeah. one game, but I mean, we we only have one game to go about, and I mean, this was a right. really impressive showing. And I think the thing that, for the Broncos' perspective, is last year they started off so slow offensively. 
Like for 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 game for at least half the season, it was like we had to you know pry out you know anything from the offense positive because it just wasn't there. You know Peyton Manning obviously was there. They had the turnovers. They weren't really moving the ball. Um, the run game was was shoddy. You know you look at it was really a bunch of struggles. So to come out and have you know a real positive note offensively from week one against a performer like Carolina. That's something that, you know, it can't be understated. You know, obviously you don't want to, you know, make this and say this is who the Broncos will be for the rest of the season. You want to see a few more weeks of that against that. You want to see how they face this Colts team and then a, a, a good Bengals team the week after that, and then right. maybe you can start to, you know, form an opinion. Uh, but I think this is probably about as strong of a start they could have could have hoped for against the Carolina team. The uh, ESPN and their power rankings, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but they have the they had the Broncos eighth last week. They have them at eighth still. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you in, inside story for anybody who cares to listen. Um, ESPN power rankings are totally random and arbitrary. They mean absolutely nothing. They come together with very little thought. I, I, I no, no offense to anybody, but really, it's it mean, there's no. There's no, there's no science behind it in any way whatsoever. But I think generally what it, what it implies is that there's still um, not a lot of confidence in the Broncos, I think specifically with their offense. But um, they, like we said, they beat a very good Panthers team. Now they go, they, they stay at home. They go to week two to face a Colts team that may be as good as Carolina, possibly. Um, and and can to and and can it's a team that can do so many different things so very well. Um, they will not run. They will not design run plays for Andrew Luck like like Carolina does with with Cam Newton. But he's very big, and he's and he's very mobile. He's difficult to take down. Uh, do you think you mentioned the hits earlier? Do you think that we'll see as nasty a Denver defense against Andrew Luck and the Colts as we saw last week? Against Cam, uh, yeah, I wonder. I mean, that's Andrew Luck took a beating by the Broncos last year. It ended up rupturing his spleen and having him out for the rest of the season. So he knows what this Broncos defense can do. And he talked on the conference call uh, Wednesday about taking better care of himself. Yeah. So you wonder if that's talk or if that's actually going to be action. Um, I think the Broncos defense knows that they are who they are. You know, they sort of – they, they got the fines this week with Marshall and, and, and Stewart, but ultimately they've sort of given the message that, hey, we're not going to scale back. Uh, and they're going to be hard-hitting. You know, obviously, you know, they want to get those hits a little lower. They don't want to get, you know, 25000 or or, you know, 18000 fined every week. Uh, but I think they're going to come after luck. They know that, you know, for most of these quarterbacks, um, you have to hit them to rattle them and you have to affect them and get them off their spot. Um, and that'll change the way you get get into a game. And with the Colts, even more than the Panthers, Andrew Luck's arm really dominates everything. So if you sit back and play a lot of zone coverage, which they don't do a lot anyway, yeah. and really try to let him pick you apart, he will. He will, and he's done that time and time again. Um, so you've got to hit him, and you've got to hit him hard. The Broncos hit him a lot last year, but they couldn't get him down. I think they only had one sack yeah. when double-digit hit. So that kind of shows you the importance of, you know, finishing your hit rather than, you know, just kind of going for the big shot. He, he is so tough. Um, when we look back at Andrew Luck's career later on, um, we'll see his 2015 season as a down year, which is a little bit unfair because he missed so much time. He was injured. Yeah. The Broncos literally uh, – lacerated his kidney. I mean, they hit him so hard, they lacerated his kidney. Yeah. 
Um, but he stayed in the game. He stayed. He finished that game and played really well. Colts won. Um, they gave the Broncos their first loss last season. They were undefeated. They were seven and zero. The Colts beat them. The, they were not only undefeated. Mm-hmm. The time, the timing in my memory, I had to, rem, I had to put this back into place. The Broncos came off a victory over the Packers that was their best game of the season. They best looked, game is, they, they look awesome. Yeah, they made Andrew Luck look like he was just, uh, just you know. Uh, Case Keenum, right? <laughs> no, right. Yeah, and but they, they, they uh, exactly. But then they came back the next week. And the Colts, like, really. I mean, it was they they won twenty seven twenty four. They only won by three points, but the Colts were pretty well in control of that game. Um, the the difference is this year, and and Andrew Luck today when he talked to us by phone, um, really downplayed the differences in an NFL season from year to year. And then in a way, he's right, but. They're largely the same team. Mm-hmm. The Broncos are largely the same defense. What should they do differently, um, the Broncos, this season, uh, other than not giving up dumb personal foul penalties by poking guys in the, in the eyes? That would, that would, that would help. Um, <laughs> the thing that I've heard um, most often repeated in the Broncos locker room this week is they really have to stop the run. And I think that they, by that, they mean, it's, it's a, sort of a simple thing to say, but mm-hmm. I think what, they're, what they mean is if they're able to stop the Colts run game, it will keep it will keep Andrew Luck in the backfield looking for passes and it sort of tees him up yeah to for them to have even just an extra second or two uh to to put him on the ground i think that's what they're going for yeah no i i, th- I think you're right on that and i think that was one thing although they won and, and overall was a good defensive performance they're still beating themselves up about how many yards they gave up rushing wise um i think right yeah. now if you look at their stats they're 31st in the league and yeah. rushing defense and that's something that you know probably won't last long but they don't like that um and they're you know obviously there's a lot of changes on that defensive line uh, malik jackson's gone Devance uh, walker had the injury so there's a lot of moving parts and the panthers are a good rushing team but still this this broncos team wants to control the early downs and that's really where their pass rushers are able to get off and that's the biggest difference i saw between the first half and the second half is that once they started to get a lead and once they started to stop the run they were able to tee off on on cam Moore, um and that really changed the dynamic of the game and once you can like you mentioned tee off on those quarterbacks that sort of changes how quickly the ball comes out how confident they are with their throws um and those third and long situations are really when teams get those turnovers whether it be sacks fumbles or uh, interceptions you uh, on the other side of the ball. You wrote about Trevor Simeon today. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you need to see from him? He he did in, for his first career start. Mm-hmm. He did really well yeah. considering, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't rely on him very much. He threw two interceptions. He, I mean, we talked about this last week. Right. Um, or no, we didn't. We talk, we t- you and I talked about this first, <laughs> not on a podcast. But um, I mean, really, what he needed to do against the Panthers was be taller. Mm-hmm. Um, which he's not going to be able to do. He can't grow. Uh, but um, he looked he, – he didn't quite look them off on those uh, – he, he had two two balls batted down right. at the line. Mm-hmm. One was intercepted. Um, he could have done some things to help himself in that regard. Um, but all in all, it was fine. What, yeah. what do you need to see? What, what improvement do you need to see or what difference do you need to see in his approach to the Colts this week as opposed to last week? 
Well, first, he won't be looking at that same Panthers defense yeah. where you got Luke Kuechly, Thomas Davis, uh, Coney Ely, some of the guys that we mentioned in that front seven. Uh, the, the Colts are all right there, but that defense, the back end of that defense, they have some problems. They gave up 39 points to Matt Stafford and the Lions the other day, and, and uh, it wasn't pretty. You know, they came got down 21-3, to and uh, they gave up uh, 340 passing yards. Um, so there are some holes there. they got some injuries going on. Uh, their top corner, Vontae Davis, is out with the uh, with a ankle injury, a pretty bad ankle injury, and he won't play. They got a couple other guys that are, are, are questionable uh, right now. T.J. Uh, Green, they're their starting safety. You got another one of their corners, Patrick Robinson, has a concussion, um, and it's not known whether he'll get through the protocol. Um, they've got a lot of guys banged up, so you know they're really at a position where they're hurting there, um, and this is really a chance, I think, for Simeon to really show his chops, and this could be one of his better numbers games, if he, so to speak, um, if they open up that passing attack. But one of the things talking into him Wednesday um, that he stressed is that, hey, I'm going to stay within the scheme, you know, yeah. no matter what. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to do too much. Um, and a lot of times quarterbacks will see, you know, opportunity. And I'm sure he'll say all the right things, but I'm sure they're salivating a little bit playing that 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 Colts D and they're seeing a lot of opportunities for them to see, to get their playmakers the ball and open up that passing attack because they know if they do that, then that makes it easier for them the rest of the season because they may not see eight men in the box every play for C.J. Anderson if there's really a true threat for them to beat you in the pass game consistently. There, there's a wrinkle to that, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw today at Del Valley, uh, we saw Demarius Thomas look very uncomfortable, um, did not seem pleased with his hip. It's sort of that, like, high hip area where we – like a labrum area. Mm-hmm. Those injuries are, are – those injuries suck. Yeah. They're difficult. Um, he, he did not look comfortable. To me, he did not look like the kind of player who – at least midweek is ready for a Sunday game. Now a lot can happen between now and then, and we'll we'll talk to him tomorrow. Hopefully, right. um, let's let's play devil's aggregate real fast um, because Benny Fowler, number three receiver, also did not practice today. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, we saw him practice, <laughs> but then they pulled him out, so technically he was a DNP. Um, if it's not if it's not Demarius uh, and it's not Benny Fowler, who who is the receiver on the field with Emmanuel Sanders? Is it Jordan Taylor? Uh, and, you know, I mean, it may, maybe Jordan Taylor being active this week. He wasn't active this past week. Uh, but I think the immediate thing becomes Cody Latimer yeah. as a step up then. Um, and really, you got to look at, at your tight end in Virgil Green. Yeah. Um, and he's a guy who got a few passes but wasn't really as a uh, – as a big of a role in the uh, the pass game, and some of that had to do with the low passing attempts. Um, but Virgil Green could be a guy that you really look at as a secondary yeah. um, receiving threat, uh, particularly against this Colts defense, because you know he's an athletic mismatch for a lot of guys, being a sort of a, a speedy guy that can you know make plays uh, in both the uh, blocking game and the pass catching game. And then you look out of the backfield, it'd be another game for C.J. Anderson yeah. to really carry the load. Um, he played 83% of the snaps uh, last Thursday night, and that's a big, big number for a guy who historically has really been splitting time. You know, he's sort of – and Coach Kubiak talked about his increased stamina. He's typically been a guy that you've got to give some breaks. You've got to give a breather because uh, he's a bigger back. Yeah. He, you know, runs a little harder. He's, you know, he's that sort of sort of guy. Uh, but this year he's sort of taken the responsibility, hey, I'm going to be the guy. And the guy means staying on the field for all three downs. Um, so he's going to have a, a, a good opportunity to repeat 
the really good performance that he had. Um, and I think Trevor, you know, regardless of whether he's missing DT or Fowler or, or whatever's going on there, I think he has to make sure to stay that not to make, you know, not to try to be the, the luck of the Broncos in a sense. I have to make every throw. You know, just depend on your playmakers like you, like you did against uh, Carolina. Right, right, which he did very well. Uh, he really did stay inside himself, um, as they say. What did you – What did you? maybe off, tr- off track a little bit, but what, what did you make of them, of the Broncos today, uh, Wednesday, uh, having Benny, F- Benny Fowler like kind of practice and then they yanked him? Were they, were they doing that for our benefit? They kept him out yeah. there just as long as we were able to watch the team. Right. Um, and then they yanked him. Right. Like, are they trying? Are they playing games a little bit? I, may, yeah. I, I don't. Maybe I'm looking into it too much. Yeah. No. And I, I, I think what we're getting at there, and I, I, I talked to Benny uh, about this after in the locker room, just about he's a guy who he hoped to play at the last preseason game, which now we see was was very you know unrealistic. But he's got a fractured elbow, yeah. and that's a thing where you know it could get worse. Um, and typically fractures take about six weeks or so yeah. to heal. Um, so it's probably something where Kubiak's like, hey, we want to be careful. We need this guy for the rest of the year. So I want to be sure yeah. that this guy is healthy. And Benny's fighting him like, hey, I can go. I can run. Yeah. So so you get a guy out there, and he's able to go through a lot of what we can see, the warm-ups and a lot of the individual drills. But when it comes to team and a lot of contact with the press and all that different stuff, you don't want a guy to risk further injury if, he, if it's not fully healed. Yeah. Um, so Kubiak talks to the doctor, and you know we don't want to speculate on, on how serious the injury is. But I'm sure the doctor probably gives you, hey, he, he's close, but he's not all right. the way back yet yeah. so maybe you take it easy and you know he may be able to give it a, a shot on Sunday we, we don't know uh, but you'd probably like to see a full part- participation day out of him if he hopes to play on Sunday yeah and I, the, th- the, th- the only reason I ask a que- I, I sh- I, the, the biggest reason why I hesitate to even ask a question is Kubiak's not one for injury report games he's mm-hmm. not Belichick yeah. um, like it I think he realizes that those games are stupid. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows. But yeah. so you don't even like whatever misinformation you're trying to throw out there is wasted effort. But um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, do you do you have a? I'm not gonna ask you for prediction, mm-hmm. but do you have do you have a sense of where this game kind of might go with the ebbs and flows? Yeah, I think this is a game where the Broncos can really um, strut their stuff, so to speak. You look at a team. The Colts are going to come in hungry, honestly. They're 0-1, um, and they're coming into an, a, a team, if they fall 0-2 and um, the way they play, that's really tough to do in a 16-game season and still complete compete. So I think you're going to see the best effort out of this Colts team, um, and they really have started slow um, lately, and that's sort of a thing that's really bit them in the heel. And, and Pagano talked earlier and said, you know, it's about time we stop talking about our, our slow starts and actually do something about it. Right. So I think they'll come out punching. Um, and I think you could see, you know, early action from from Indy. Uh, but can they sustain it? You know, can they can they um, generate enough offense against this Broncos defense once they boil down um, to keep up in this game? And I, I do think the Broncos will will be able to score some points. I think they'll be able to get their offense going even better than they did last week, particularly in that passing game. Um, I think. Trevor was 18 of 26 with about 178 yards. I think you could be looking at, you know, closer to 250, 275 passing right. passing game for Trevor if it goes, you know, well. And uh, I think you look at a, a, a game that could be, you know, the, the Broncos could be, you know, in the high 20s. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the Colts can put up that 
that amount of points um, to compete with the Broncos. So I think the Broncos, especially with this home, you know, coming in with a home game, coming in with the Colts, and they can't overlook this opponent because it's a team that beat them three out of the last four yeah. years yeah. Um, and that sort of has their number. They've all spoke about that. So I think they come in, and I think they've got a good chance to get the win. Uh, but they they can't they can't uh, they can't lose a turnover battle like they did last last week and expect to yeah. win. Um, and they've got to you know they've got to uh, really uh, come out and, and and not if they get up early or if they get up late they can't let uh they can't let Andrew Luck be Luck and uh, with his comeback efforts. I think one of the yeah. the key sets I've seen this week is you know Luck has ten of his thirty five victories or comeback victories in fourth quarter. Interesting. And that's the same yeah. amount as Aaron Rodgers who's been you know in the league seven years longer. Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. No, uh, they're three and four against the Broncos, and uh, three and one in their last four against the Broncos with Andrew Luck. They're also eight of the last nine. They've won eight of the nine, and eleven of the last fourteen since since two thousand and one. Basically, this is the first game between the Broncos and Colts without Peyton Manning involved since nineteen ninety three. It's crazy. They didn't play from they didn't play each other from ninety four to ninety from ninety four to two thousand one. Yeah. Um, last time, last time the these two teams played, John Elway was still the quarterback, and Peyton Manning was in. I don't even know if he was in college in '93. No, he was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. might have been I mean, freshman. He, he might have been a freshman. Yeah, yeah, playing no, behind. No, 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 he might have been. He might have been in high school. Came out '98, so. Uh, definitely high school. Says Nikki Jabal across the room. Looking for, he was looking at that point, looking forward to a career of being quarterback teammates with Todd Helton at Tennessee. Anyway, um, yeah, no, it'll be it'll be a fun game. Um, the Colts lost last week a game that they should not have won, that they should not have lost. So they'll be, like you said, uh, definitely motivated. Um, let's um let's let it play out and we'll talk about it next week again. We'll talk about it and then look forward to the Bengals. Um, but uh, plenty to uh, plenty to chew on this week between the Broncos and Colts. Cameron, thank you. Nikki Javala across the room. Hello. Nobody's going to be able to hear you. You're listening to the First and Orange podcast at DenverPost.com. Back on the First and Orange podcast, the Denver Post. Nick Groke here with Pat Graham of the Associated Press. Uh, Patrick, Patty, Pat Graham. Um, you were that guy today in the Broncos locker room. You asked Akeeb Tlaib uh, about about poking Dwayne Allen in the eye at Indianapolis last year in the Broncos' loss to the Colts. What did Akeeb uh, say? I was there and I was listening, but I don't remember. What did he say? Basically, he said the past is the past. They're looking toward the future. Uh, Bronco football, they got to play tough. They got to do all that thing. So basically, he talked in cliches, kind of like I'm doing right now. Yeah, no, no, right. You're very good at it. Um, it's funny because I think he paused before he answered your question. And I, I don't think it was because he was taken aback. He was very, I mean, he, was, he, he didn't have a problem with you asking the question because it was a very dumb penalty that he drew at the end of that game. I think he paused because he had to remember which dumb penalty that he actually <laughs> incurred it at that. But. I, he once you brought it up, he remembered, and he was cool. Um, Akeeb though today was very, um, he was very cliche, right? I mean, like po- probably more than normal, right? Yeah. No, I would definitely say you're right. Uh, he uh, talked in cliches. He kept he kept saying, you know, everybody asked about like 
playing dirty? Is this a dirty defense? And he said, we're just playing Bronco football. Well, what does Bronco football mean? Uh, it means playing tough and up to the whistle. And so I go, and I asked him, is there, is there a fine line between playing dirty and playing Bronco football? And basically said, hey, you just you play Bronco football. Yeah, no, no, right. I really wanted – I was trying to get him off to the side away from the cameras, and I did for a, a brief a brief minute. Um, because when you get to keep Tlaib talking, he's very he's actually very good at breaking down an offense. Um, he's he's very smart as far as scouting offenses, and he'll and he'll explain it really well. Um, for whatever reason, this week though, he was not into <laughs> explaining Andrew Luck and the Colts um, that maybe they're hiding a little bit. Maybe you know they're trying to not give away too much. But he gave me the same. Oh, we're gonna play. We're gonna play Broncos defense. We're gonna play Broncos football. I mean, he said it over and over. But that's well, all right. Well, I mean, he of course he's intelligent. He's a Kansas guy. I mean, him, him oh. and Chris, him and Chris Harris are both very into, highly intelligent human beings. Yeah, says uh, Kansas. Kansas is, is Pat Graham. Um, you just got back from Brazil. Very exciting. You covered the Olympics. Was it fun? It was probably my favorite Olympics of the five I've done. I I thought Rio was fantastic. I thought they put on a great show. I thought all the fears and concerns and the. Zika, Zika uh, virus outcry. I thought it was all overblown, and I'm 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 100 glad I went. What, f- you've done five Olympics overall, or five summer Olympics? Five o- five overall. What, th- three summers and three two. Su- yep. Wh- and this was maybe your favorite because Zero. because of the games themselves, or because of what you were able to do there when you on in the few brief minutes that you weren't working. Everything. I thought I thought Rio was absolutely beautiful. I thought the uh, I thought they did a great job with all the venues. I thought. I did. I did person. I did track. And I did archery, and uh, I was at the Samba Drome for archery, which you know that's where they hold you know, you know Carnival, which was it was just absolutely beautiful. And then you know I, I was lucky. I wasn't in the media village. I was actually in a hotel downtown, and I was about a half a mile from a beach, so I could run every day on the beach. And and I was near Copacabana, and I <laughs> hey everything was perfect. Yeah. Wait, you did Beijing, right? I did. Yeah, I've I've heard people say that they really like Beijing a lot. The Beijing Olympics, no? Be- Beijing was hard. It was smoggy. It was oh, everything. Yeah. And you know, I went back to Beijing in 2015 for Worlds, well, last summer, and it was the same way. It was just smoggy, yeah. and it, you couldn't run outside. It was just, it was hard. It was a hard way of life. But I just thought Rio was absolutely sensational. I just the views, everything. You know, Christ the Redeemer, yeah. <laughs> overlooking the city, everything was perfect. Yeah. No, it looked it looked really fun <laughs> on TV when I was able to watch. Um, this comes up every Olympics, and I, I, I don't mind it as a discussion topic. It's a li- it's a little bit pointless, but let's <laughs> let's talk about it anyway. Um, especially with Usain Bolt, who just to me, without hyperbole, I'm not even I'm not even exaggerating, is to me one of the greatest athletes who's ever lived. I'm and I I mean that with all sincerity. Um, he's completely amazing what he's able to do as a human being, as a human person. <laughs> I mean he's I mean. Um, his his raw speed at 100 meters and 200 meters, um, and probably at 400 meters, is just incredible. Um, so immediately, football fans want to know, well, why does he play football like that? You know, because breakaway you know breakaway speed is is certainly a a commodity in the NFL, but it's not that easy. It does not exactly translate. What it, can, could you could you stick Usain Bolt on a football field right now? Well, we got to clarify here. Do you football with two O's or football with a U? American football. Good, okay. Cause, no, you're right because it's a good – but in both regards, I think is maybe the same answer. But in this, in this 
for the purposes of our discussion, American football. Yeah, he's. I think he's a big Man U fan. He's a big soccer fan. Loves yeah. soccer. So I, he uh, could definitely play. You know, uh, football with a U. Football with a double O's. Well, I'm just gonna tell you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna equate it to. I talked to Justin Gatlin, American, who finished second in the hundred. Two Bolt didn't really have a chance of catching him because Bolt's that good. Uh, I talked to Justin about it, and Justin actually, when he was suspended, he had a doping offense, you know, a couple years back. And when he was suspended, he actually tried out for four NFL teams: uh, what the Titans, the Bucks, the Saints, and I think the Cardinals. And he also had like an unofficial visit with the Texans. And when he tried out for the Texans, you know what his forty time was? Ask him what his forty time was. What? No, no, really, what was it? Four one two. Yeah, well, that's that was his forty time. Yeah. Uh, Justin had a great point because because everybody says sprinters, you know, fastest. On the and on the NFL field, they feel that they could be sprinters, and and sprinters feel like they could be football players. And I asked Justin one time, I said, "Could could could a football player beat you?" And he goes, "Well, depending on how far the race is." And I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, everybody has a certain way and a certain form and a certain style to get to 60 meters." He goes, "Once you get to 60 meters, you're at top speed. It's maintaining that for the last 40. That's what separates everyone." So, I might get beat for the first 60 meters by an NFL guy, but they won't beat me to 100. They won't beat me to the finish line. Usain Bolt, if he had hands, could you imagine him as a safety or tight end or a receiver? Oh, he's, so, you play him? Oh, he's so tall. Um, and muscular. I mean, I assume, yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, I I would assume a receiver, but I don't, I, I yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe, I, I, how about, can you imagine that he'd be a nightmare matchup if he was a tight end? I mean, he's, right. he's what, 6'5", 230, Is he that big? Is he that wide? He seems, he might be, he seems he might pretty be, stocky. He might be like 210, 200. He might be more wow. closer to 200, but he's 6'5". I mean, he's just, he's, yeah. a, he's a freak of nature, and he, I don't know. I, I I haven't seen him catch a ball, but yeah. I've seen him dunk chicken McNuggets, and he's pretty good at that. So I imagine he could catch a ball. <laughs> he does like chicken McNuggets. The um the thing about football though is it's such a specialized specialized set of skills, which you sometimes overlook. I think not you personally, but we overlook because it's such a straightforward kind of game. But it requires not just skills, but a very specialized set of movements, like a. You know, you you we can say that why don't you stick Usain Bolt back to catch punts or kickoffs and just let him loose? Well, a catching a football is not that hard, not that difficult, or not that easy. It's very difficult. Um, but the movements required to get through the oncoming rush of eleven people who want to destroy you is not it's not that simple. You you're very rarely running straight forward, and I really think that if you're not if you haven't done this over a length of time basically for most of your life I don't know if you can just do that I, I don't even think that Usain Bolt would think he could I mean I think it, it's just such it's so specialized I, I actually think he'd be a better rugby player that's interesting you know he could I, I think that because it would re- require less it'd be more speed get him to the edge and let him take off although you know he's had some hamstring issues here lately so yeah. you know one good hit might pop that hamstring but uh I could see him on the rugby field more, but it's 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 an interesting argument because it's like James Jett or something, you know. You just or Ronaldo Nehemiah back in the day. You just you know basically you just say go long, and then you just have to air it out. And if you do that twice a game, maybe you hit on one every three games. Well, that's a you know that's that's a touchdown, and <laughs> you'll take that. If you scored four touchdowns in a season, you take that. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. And the di- yeah, and and the difference, um, you know, if you're if you're just a split second faster, it means a big difference. On the field, what did what did Justin Gatlin say? Is he going to give it another go, football wise? No, he's 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 in his thirties now. He's mid track. He's he's those those days are sailed. But I mean, I can imagine. I mean, there's some young sprinters coming up that uh, you know, like 
you know, Dumps down in Florida. He played, you know, he played football for Florida, and he uh, he ran track. Uh, there's there's guys who've done it. I mean, uh, it, I mean, it's just it's amazing. Or uh, Devin Allen, the uh, 110 meter, you know, high hurdler who uh, plays for Oregon. He uh, had a big game last week. Right, right. More often than not, and it, and the the vi- vice versa is the same in the same regard. The difficulty moving from football to track is not very easy. I don't think either. No. I mean, it, I, you, a lot of times you'll see. A football player moved to track in college um, because he has exceptional speed, but you'll see them doing a better. I don't. I can't even give an example. I just in my memory, I you'll see them be compete well, but not necessarily be the best at an event track wise because it, it it's another thing that requires such a specific. The difference between sprinters so often is just a, a matter of very minor changes or differences well it's a it's a it's a really specialized set of skills it is and then it's i mean not to get too technical here but it's like if you talk to a sprinter they all mention the drive phase and that's where all your power comes it's when yeah. you burst out of the blocks and you're in your and you're kind of starting to come up and there's a, there's an art and a pattern to when you come up to uh not lose velocity and this this is kind of geek technology here but it's fascinating because that's where i mean you can be the fastest kid on the block but you face someone who's who's been working on their drive face and and analyzing it in video and spending hours on this and they that's all they do i mean that, that's the, that's the whole key that's why I mean, if you watch usain bolt in that 100 meter race I, it was halfway through the race when he got out of his drive phase when he was you know when everybody was up and running he just dusted the field like I've seen I've seen most of his world records. I've, I've, I was lucky enough to be there in 08. I was lucky enough to be there in 09 when he did it. And I'll tell you that 100 meter race in Rio doesn't take a backseat to it. I, it was it was the most impressive race I've seen him run. Can you can you do you remember? Did you know it was going to be a world record before you saw the time? Can you see it? You can see it. Can you really? Well, like, That's like, amazing. Like it's 200 when he ran when he ran 1919 1919 19 seconds uh, in 09. You could you could you could tell. You didn't have to look at the clock. It was yeah. like he just it was just he was it was it was like almost like a religious experience watching him run like that. I mean, watching him run is it's incredible because he's just he's just he he changed the game. No one will ever be like him. I mean, he's yeah. he's revolutionized everything. It is totally amazing. It really is. And it's not just running fast. Like it's just it's it's completely amazing on a whole other level of human accomplishment. Really, I'm not I'm really not exaggerating. It's like it's like watching Tom Brady or Peyton Manning orchestrate an offense. It's yeah. they're just they're maestros and they're they're the best of the business for for a reason. Or it's like watching I don't know uh a hitter hit. I was gonna say Todd Helton. Todd Helton hit when he was in his prime. I mean, he just he he could do things that you just watch it. And you're, you're it is so impressive. What's your two hundred time? Uh, that that big looping eight turned on its side. Infinity. <laughs> infinity. <laughs> I think you can run faster than infinity. Um, I would well, take. I would take you. Hammy. You'd pull a hammy. I, the I, you challenged me to a two hundred. You pick the distance and we'll run it. No, I'm, I was about to say. I think. I think you would beat me, eh, maybe not easily, but I think you would win in a 200. I, I, probably a 100, too. I think I would bet on you. I'd, I'd bet on you in the 100, but anything yeah. over that, I think I'd get you. Eh, I don't really Marathon, want Marathon, I'd get you. Oh, well, I, I, would, I would pass out and throw up before I would even get We have to, to bring in Denver Post writer John Meyer for the marathon, though. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I would need to sub out. Like, if we could do it, if he and I could, like, do it relay style, maybe I would run the first, like, 100 yards and he could take the rest. Um, so we need to come with a decathlon. 
Yeah, no, we don't. This is such a bad idea. Let's just like back maybe this video stuff. games. Maybe, <laughs> maybe go to Top Golf. Right. You know, just stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, let's end this here. <laughs> but uh, Pat Graham, I appreciate it. Enjoy. Um, welcome back, by the way. Well, thank you. To Colorado. I appreciate that. Um, next time, let's talk about beer. Hey, it's you, you're speaking my language. <laughs> All right, thanks, Pat. Throw them pork. I can't speak Portuguese, but I can speak beer. Yeah, awesome. That'll be it for the first in Orange podcast. Thank you, everybody. Hey.